G'day guys, welcome to the Shroom Live podcast. Once again, this is Shroom. I'm going to be going further with the level 1 angler series. This is addressed at those anglers who are beginners, but maybe not quite the absolute beginner. But I'll be going through all the questions, all the things that I get in my DM box, and I've been addressing throughout the months and maybe the past couple of years as well. You know, those common faults that I keep having to answer. And I know that a lot of people are going to benefit from that. Not only is it aimed towards that level one angler, as I call it, it can also be useful for those that have fished before, uh, but seem to not find results, especially when targeting brim, which is what this series is mostly about. The most abundant species, in my opinion, all over the estuaries, yet some people seem to find great difficulty catching them. And so that's what this series is about. Okay, now this is the third installment of this series, so make sure you check out the other two. And if you're an absolute beginner, go one episode back for the complete beginner. I go through everything you need to know to get started in lure fishing. Or in other words, the level zero angler. You have absolutely no idea and you just want to get started. This is for those who have got their training wheels on right now. Now, first up, I'm going to be talking about rods in this one. Rods is a major issue to talk about because there's a lot of things involved here. So I remember when I first went to purchase a rod, and I can still see it when I read my comments. People don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're buying. They want to make the right choice. It can be an it can be an expensive investment, so to speak, especially at the beginning when everything seems to cost a lot of money in lure fishing. But it is a one-time purchase. And you just want to make the right choice and be able to do what you want to do. Now, I've already gone through in the previous one what specs that you need to use. So check that one out. But here we're going to be talking about the materials itself. The difference between the rods that you see on the market, in the shops, in the department stores. So, you know, your local bait, um, what is a fresh bait and tackle shop or Big W, Kmart. You know, you've got a host of rods. Which ones are the right ones? Now, first of all, I've already mentioned it, spin rods to fit spin reels. But the key that I'm going to be talking about here is the difference between the two materials, fiberglass and carbon fiber slash graphite. Okay, so category one, fiberglass. Fiberglass are the cheapest rods on the market. They're the ones that if you walk into Kmart, Big W, and you pick out a $10 rod, 99.9% of the time you can put your money down that that is a fiberglass rod and it is thick, it is strong, it is unbreakable, but it is heavy for the line class, which is the rating, the rating, the strength behind the rod. Let's say it's a four to nine kilogram rod. It's going to be rather heavy for the force that it can provide or the line that is suited towards that rod there. In addition it's going to be very insensitive towards transmitting bites and the action and the fight of the fish through the rod to your hands. And I would say that these are the two main disadvantages of a fiberglass made rod. Fiberglass being too insensitive to transmit the bites from the light lures that we require and the weight of the rod just dulls the action that you can impart it fatigues your wrist, it fatigues your shoulder and arms. It just works against you. The only advantage that I can see is that 
these rods are generally unbreakable. Now, obviously, if you try to put in a vise and grab a few mates and try to bend it all the way around 360, it's going to snap. But in general usage, if you don't close a big door on it or a car boot, it could probably still survive a few light ones, but it will snap if you mistreat it. But I consider them literally unbreakable. However, besides from that, very unsuited for lure fishing. Category B, they're the carbon fiber slash graphite rods. They are the rods to purchase for soft plastics lure fishing for the following reasons. Carbon fiber, so I'm just going to actually call it carbon fiber for the moment. So carbon fiber rods, they're very sensitive. They transmit vibrations through the rod much more effectively than fiberglass material. So that's a big plus. Number two, carbon fiber rods are also very light for the line class. So in comparison to a fiberglass rod, you're going to find that for the same line rating, say the 49 kilogram example, it's going to weigh a lot more for a fiberglass rod than it will for a carbon fiber rod. These two advantages make the world of difference when it comes to flicking lures. Sensitivity and weight. They're the two that I've just said again. In summary, the take-home message there. Now, there is a disadvantage, however, with a carbon fiber rod. Probably two disadvantages that I can think of right now while I'm going through this. And the first one is price. The price of a carbon fiber rod generally far exceeds that of a fiberglass rod in general. Now, there may be some special situations where that may not be true, but if you walk to the shops, go to your local independent bait and tackle, you're going to find that these rods here are going to be a lot more expensive and generally are going to be $50 and up. And depending on the shop, you could be looking at rods in excess of even $1,000. Generally, these rods here will make you itch if you look at them. They're really nice, but they're really expensive. Now, we will talk about, you know, the price. I mean, I've made a video on this before and I'll probably talk about it on another podcast, probably for the Intermediate Angler, but not for the Level 1 series. So I'm just going to leave that there. The second fault or the second weakness, so to speak, of a carbon fiber rod is its ability or likelihood to snap. And it's going to be much easier to snap one of these if used incorrectly as opposed to a fiberglass rod. Any specific incorrect technique that you impart generally means that there's a chance for this rod to snap. And unfortunately, the more expensive the rod that is carbon fiber based, the more likely it is to snap. So unfortunately, that's just the, a, a fact of carbon fiber rods. So most people that transition from, from fiberglass to carbon fiber, they have to go through a learning process of readjusting their techniques and having proper technique in lifting the fish, fighting the fish, so as to not overstress the tip of the rod. That's probably the number one place where people have issues is they they put the rod tip under an unnatural strain, especially when lifting a fish, and then it snaps. But that is disadvantage number two. I could keep going about talking about the incorrect techniques such as high sticking. I may have addressed this in the past in the first episode, but I'm going to leave that there. 
I just really wanted to talk about those aspects of why it's important to get a carbon fiber rod. And I'll just quickly end by talking about how do you know when you have the appropriate material. You can always check the label of the rod and it's going to tell you its intended purpose. Generally, anything which mentions lure fishing, soft plastics, poppers, hard bodies, that's the correct material. And second of all, usually on the packaging, it will indicate if it is or if it isn't. It will say graphite or carbon fiber. Sometimes they also list what they call the modulus, and they could say something like 40 ton carbon, 30 ton carbon. That's another dead indicator that that's a carbon fiber rod. Generally, carbon fiber rods start from around $50 and up. So if you're looking at a $50, $60 up uh, price range, there is a chance that it's going to be that material. Okay, next on the agenda, I always get asked about spots. What's the best spot for this? What's the best spot for that? So the concept here is that I noticed that everyone operates on the principle that the grass is greener on the other side. And it can be a pitfall too for those who actually put time in into a particular spot that they're close to and find that they're not getting the results. And so therefore, it's automatically deemed a bad spot and that's the reason for their lack of progress. That's actually not true. Everyone that I've helped along the way, I've recommended that they start at a spot that they can easily access. It's a local spot most generally and they can particularly fish that many times over the week or several times over the month and learn it's the ins and outs, how the tide changes, how the water coloration might mean something, etc, etc. Just all the little things that make that person understand that spot a little bit better. And that has actually enabled them to improve and learn a lot faster. I've seen it on several anglers over the last, last three months, I would say. I've been in contact with a few and they've told me that they've seen this and I've recommended that. But generally, they suck to the spot. They've been able to describe what they're seeing. And then they've all ended up finding success at some point. But further about the spot also, brown water versus blue or green water. Now, brown water doesn't necessarily mean bad fishing. It's just that in that part of the river, there's a lot more silt and mud mixed in. And the tannins from the vegetation starting to blend into the water and dissolve. And that gives it its color and a little bit of turbidity or fish kicking up, kicking up the mud and the current, you know, pushing in and out causes it to be uh, opaque looking. But that doesn't mean that you can't catch fish. It doesn't mean that that person that you saw caught a fish in the nice clear blue waters or green waters is having any more luck than you. It's just a completely different habitat and it just requires slightly different approach. That's all it is. So instead of using you know, like metals spinning in brown water, you probably have to use slower lures. You have to use plastics, plastics with a lot of action so that they can sense it. And probably plastics that have a big silhouette. I like to use brown lures in brown water, but you can use black lures, purple lures, dark green lures, any kind of color really. You're going to find that there may be a particular color that will outperform the others, but I would not use, for example, a clear lure. Not that it wouldn't work, but that's just that it's harder for the fish to see and sense. And so that's why I wouldn't go that way. Now, I mentioned a metal as being something that you could use down the river. But just to keep into, you know, the concept of this soft plastics series here, you can substitute that for a flick bait. A clear flick bait 
you know, like the Berkeley three inch CAS clear flick baits that you've seen me use and, you know, a few other brands as well. You can use that down river and it's very effective. But the second you try that up river, you know, the fish maybe can't sense it, can't see it, or it's moving a bit too quick for them to bother or looks unnatural. You need something with a bit more silhouette and a bit more action up that way. And that's kind of how you fine tune that. In the clear green and blue water, you know, these people are fishing different structures as well. So you've got a lot more probably like jetties and um, fairy wharves, for example. You've got a lot more steep walls lined with oysters. You've got really strong currents and you've got pelagic fish in the area as well to contend with and bust-ups, which you might switch over to. Even if you're targeting brim, if you see, you know, a bust-up, you're not going to say no to that. You're going to cast in. Now, that's different opposed to up the rivers where the water is a lot more shallow. It may not be pushing as hard, you have a bit more fresh in the system coming out of the creeks. And so that's that's the huge difference there. So something that you see that's worked down the river may not work up the river. Now, one more thing, just in case people are confused here. When I say down river, we're talking towards the mouth, towards the ocean. And up river is when you're going back up towards the freshwater side. Because when it rains, the water flows down from the mountains. And so that's considered up in my definition. But I've seen people use, you know, the opposite definition, but that's the way I go when I'm talking about these in the podcasts. So yeah, so that's about spots and water clarity and water color. Hope that helps there. Now, one more thing that I'm going to talk about, it's more like a question really that I get. And that's the difference when you get a hit. What's the difference between a bite and a snag? So this is just more about talking about my experiences and what I've seen over the years, talking to people that I know and also to complete beginners. As you get more experienced, you can determine a lot of the time the difference between a fish hitting your lure and hitting a snag. But I haven't found anybody that I know, including myself, that can 100% definitively bet the house on the hit that it was a hit and not a snag. Now, that's a big deal. Why? Because as a beginner, that's one of the biggest questions. Did I get a hit or was that a snag? Am I doing anything right? How do I know? All these bites and hits on your lure are very light. And they're just generally just one little one little click or f- flick of the line and just one little vibration and that's it. That's the only sign you're going to get. You're not going to be able to determine if that was a small fish if that was a massive fish, a lot of big fish, what I'm trying to say is a lot of big fish can give the really smallest, lightest hits. Massive brim don't necessarily create the biggest hit. A lot of the brim that I've caught that are over 40 centimeters feel just like any other brim. And in fact, I might even say that the bigger the hit, the more likely or potentially it could even be a really small brim. Small brim hit the lures very aggressively, very hard, and they're very persistent. They'll hit it multiple times. Now, not to say that a big brim doesn't do that. A big brim does do that as well. I've noticed that some of the 40 centimeter plus category size brim, they'll hit a lure a couple of times. Seems like they're trying to. In my mind, I I try to imagine what's happening. And um, I'm just picturing this big beast trying to disable the bait first or test it. 
See if it's natural. See if it's reacting in the way that it should. So the bait just got hit. Did it did it do anything? Did it try to dart away real quick and kind of, you know, show that it cannot do that anymore because it's injured because of the bite? You know, there's there's been many instances where they'll stalk a bait, hit it a few times, and then after several hits, they go in for the killer blow. And that's when you get locked onto a big beast. But they're all light bites. But anyway, that's getting a bit sidetracked there, but I'm sure that was interesting. But the difference between a hit and a snag, the best of my ability is that every rod and every reel that you use creates a different sensation to what a bite feels like. But at no stage have I found anybody that can definitively say, yeah, that was a hit or that was a snag 100% of the time. But generally, the difference between a hit and a snag I find just a really good ground baseline level would be if you're moving the lure and you're feeling the bite, it could potentially be a snag that you're rolling over because when the lure hits a snag as you're winding in, it does feel like a fish has hit it. But if it's stationary on the bottom and you feel a flick of the line, there's no question that that was a hit. So that's that's the story there. All right, I'm going to end this podcast here. So that's uh, an additional several points that I discussed here. Hope that helps. Uh, Let me know if you guys have any more things that you'd like me to discuss. I'm happy to keep continuing this series and going through all the things that I normally wouldn't be able to discuss on my my vlogs on, on YouTube. So yeah, so keep those questions coming. Keep it coming in my inbox anywhere or, you know, YouTube, Instagram, even on TikTok, just shoot me shoot me a pointer shoot me um shoot me a question about the podcast yeah and let me know if you like this series i'll i'll also continue it or you know i could do other things as well and talk about other other aspects of fishing if you guys would like that but this is shroom signing out of the shroom light podcast for the level one angler series